0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
1: They're going to kill the love of my life. Yes, if
0: I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday.
1: Our line of work is quite brutal and
0: quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal a truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous?
1: Of course it's dangerous!
0: Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins.
1: All this trouble, all this pain, for love.
0: Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.
1: Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by NoHalftime.com. Derek Van Riper joined again today by Nick Whalen. Week 4 of the NFL season is upon us. we got a Thursday game and the usual slate with the exception of a couple buys. Got a few teams off this week. Uh, lightens up the load just a little bit. But the Thursday game this week, Nick, let's just go right at it. Dolphins-Bengals kicking things off for this week not a bad matchup for a thursday uh bengals are big favorites in this one seven and a half point favorites i'm not quite sure i see that i know they're
3: one and two bengals
1: they're one and two they lost to denver last week it's not a not a crime they lost to pittsburgh the week before that they've they've lost Mm -hmm. to other playoff teams the thing about miami though is that they They've had a difficult schedule to begin the season, uh, and people are saying, well, they just beat Cleveland in overtime. That's not hard. They had to go on the road to Seattle and New England the first two weeks. Now they go on the road for the third time. On a short week. So maybe the line accounts for all that. I just wonder if it's a little bit too much or if Miami's a team that is being underestimated right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, Miami's played a tough schedule, like you said, especially those first two weeks, but but so is Cincinnati. I mean, they go at the Jets. That's their one win in week one, which we still don't really know exactly what the Jets are, but I think that's a sound win, especially on the road. They're at Pittsburgh in week two. That's always a difficult game uh, in division. And then home against Denver, uh, a Denver team that suddenly has what seemed like at least above average quarterback play, uh, something they didn't really get at any point last season, and when you look at the level that this defense is still playing at, basically picking up where it left off last season, uh, that's a little bit scary for the rest of the AFC.
1: Yeah, it it really is. Now, the the over-under in this game is 46.5, so we're looking at like a 27-20 range game favoring the Bengals. I I don't really see the Bengals struggling to put up points against Miami, but I, I just think The Cincinnati defense needs to prove itself. This is going to be Mm -hmm. uh, a better test for them than most. Uh, I I do like most of the skill position players in this game as far as the matchups go, other than to say Miami might use as many as four running backs tonight. So your your Jay Ajayi, your your Kenyon Drake shares may have to really just stay away from that group as a whole because it could be four different players getting six to ten touches depending on how the game flows. Yeah,
3: I don't know if there's one running back in that group that you can really feel comfortable deploying this week, especially in daily. They're going against the 10th-ranked rush defense, uh, 3.7 yards per carry through the first three weeks is what Cincinnati's allowing. On the other hand, though, I do like Jeremy Hill. This this Miami defense, despite the money that they've spent on that front four, hasn't been all that good against the run of over four yards per carry. That's 20th in the NFL uh, thus far. So I think Jeremy Hill coming off a game where he was able to get into the end zone twice uh, last week against a very, very good Denver defense. Um, You know, maybe the the two touchdowns aren't there, but I think the yardage is definitely sustainable. Um, How sure are we that the Bengals are a really, really good team? Um, I read an article this morning that questioned if they lose this game at home, does Marvin Lewis lose his job?
1: I don't think he would lose his job. I don't think he would either mid season, early season. Yeah. I think I mean, if they're like two and six, maybe their level of commitment to Marvin Lewis is such that he's right. the kind of guy that gets canned in an off season. Yeah, not. In this would go against, the
3: there were other opportunities to can him similar to this, you know, over the last seven years.
1: By the way, I, I like the expression uh, sack, like the sacking of a manager in football, that's like a, soccer. That's
3: a uh, European thing, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I like that better as, as in terms of firing. Like yeah. it, it, it just sounds, it sounds, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It, it. it just has this different feel to it where a firing is just so generic and, and boring, right. right? But a sacking just sounds like there's a. A complete coup to remove yeah. someone from their position.
3: I'm picturing them like, getting sacked by a defensive end. Like not only are you getting fired, you're getting like leveled out of your job.
1: I'm thinking like they just put the person into a bag and like carry them outside yeah. and drop them off somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and just leave them there. And they're like, can you use sack? Like like
3: you know, you fire in the NFL. You, know, you can fire a coach, but you can also fire your HR employee at any business. Like, do you can you sack a? Does that term apply to normal business?
1: I think you can only sack football managers, and by that That's I mean it? soccer coaches in Europe. <laughs> I don't think American soccer coaches can even be sacked, No, technically.
3: That would be bizarre to, to read that headline.
1: Yeah, Waylon sacked by Rotowire. And Bradley sacked after Jaguars dismantled in London. Van Riper sacked from all podcasts <laughs> and radio appearances. Like- um,
3: Vontaze Burfix, speaking of sacks, is back from his suspension. Uh, So if you're a Dolphins receiver running over the middle tonight, just keep your head on a swivel.
1: Or just don't run over the middle, because regardless of whether or not you see it coming, he's going to hit you in the face. Over
3: under number of plays until there's a borderline targeting call on Vontaze Perfect.
1: I'm going to set, set the overrunner at 17.5 because Ooh. it's possible that the Bengals have the ball first. Right. So that they That's run true. 10 plays, okay. maybe it's the first drive for the Dolphins. Okay. It's it going to be
3: the first drive no matter when the Dolphins take over, right? Right. It's a, it's a matter of how many plays Cincinnati runs before
1: that. So I guess we got to flip the coin, <laughs> cut that in half. The proper number is 11.5. Okay. Uh, but in this game, who, who you saying Devonte Parker was available in the waiver wire in some of your leagues?
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, I think maybe that speaks to the the level of attention that some of the the pals in these leagues that I'm in are, are paying. But I was able to go grab him without having to even put a claim in in a couple of leagues. Your leagues um, need some work. Yeah, I mean it's nice for me as someone who I, I mean we're four weeks in and people are already ignoring their teams, which bothers me. Uh, but. You know, if Devonte Parker's sitting out there, I'm more than happy to grab him.
1: There's a lot of swiping to be done. You know, Tinder just is like a never ending vortex for people. So I guess you that's think
3: Tinder's taking over the time that people would spend on fantasy football.
1: Yeah, I do. It's I think possible. I think all, I think all the time people used to spend micromanaging their fantasy football teams are now just being used to swipe left and, and swipe right. Are you a Tinder guy? You're married. I'm married. I'm no, married. I've never been a Tinder guy. I've okay. never been uh right, eligible either. and well, I mean anyone can do that. Yeah, I, I don't You're always know eligible. That. That's not the issue. I, I I choose not to be that okay. kind of person. All right. um, so no, I how, how's your Tinder game? Is it I'm strong? not a Tinder
3: guy either. No. No? You know, I I'd, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't downloaded it. You know, I've explored, but I've never actually like chatted with anyone on Tinder. It, uh, oh, wait, no, no, I'm lying. I did in in Jacksonville. What? Yeah, i you know that's really night, shady. That, that was a hot tub move. No, it actually was. Yeah, late night sitting by the tub with. with oh the buddy no! And, you know, I think what I did is I copied and pasted "Are you a Jags fan?" and sent it to like ten different girls, and got <laughs> an array of responses ranging from uh, no response to no to who are the Jags. Um, yeah, what's a Jags? Yeah, it's, I, yeah right. Exactly. I uh, this was in you know
1: Jacksonville. I was in Arizona, and there was somebody in the industry. I'm not gonna call call this person out by name because that's oh. not fair but they had their tinder account open and someone else had taken their phone and was swiping for them i know that game and i'd, I'd never even seen the app before like, i knew what it was about was like let me it. see this. Okay. this this seems really sketchy so i'm looking at it and I'm, it's exactly what i expected right? right but the awkward thing is when you do get a match at least the awkward thing for me is a married guy that hasn't been in the dating game for more mm. than 10 years is the icebreaker. Like I just feel like the icebreaker is is so awkward and impossible right. when you have no other information about the person other than their picture. I thought that was like just a very bizarre experience. And there was this well, there was someone that had swiped right or lateral, which which direction is a match? Like what, what direction is like, good? I don't even know. Right. Right is good? Yeah. Like that's if left. If you're
3: interested, you would you would swipe right.
1: Swipe right if interested. Okay, well, someone had swiped right on the person's phone I was using, and this person happened to be a University of Wisconsin graduate. Not the person whose phone I had, but the person they'd matched with. And I'm like, well, you got to say something about Bucky or, I don't know, just like, (laughs) Connect on a personal level, Bucky? Am I right? Yeah, just like just just drop a what bucky. A great mascot. I was like, just just write Bucky with an exclamation point. No <laughs> no response, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is a good thing. It's a good thing that I was uh, able to get out of the dating game before Tinder took yeah, over man, you because got out at the right time. I would have been just a, a train wreck mm-hmm. in in today's uh, climate. Yeah. Uh, as far as picking this game goes, because no one cares oh, about.
3: You missed a great transition opportunity there. I thought we were going to go right into Jags Colts. Speaking of train wrecks,
1: I would swipe left on Jags Colts. <laughs> Uh, if I'm doing that right, I hope I'm doing that right. I, I would actually take the Dolphins with the points. Okay. I think it's actually a pretty good Thursday game, which is No, I think this rare. is probably our best Thursday match. Eh, last week, Thursday was fine. He's well, the, the Jets-Bills game turned out to be yeah, entertaining. And that's true. I didn't think that would be. Last week was a disaster, even though I thought that I would be I think last useful. week was the
3: best one on paper. Obviously, the game itself didn't quite live up to that.
1: This should be more like week two. I just wonder if that over-under is a tick high. I think the teams might be a little sluggish coming off of sure. uh, like an overtime game for Miami and the Bengals. You know, losing to a physical Denver team, but I'll take the Dolphins with the points. We will go to the Colts and Jags. Nine thirty Eastern start. Set your alarms, guys. Yeah, how many West Coast fans are waking up to watch that game? Just general fans of the NFL. Start
3: for Pacific.
1: It's a six thirty Portland, Seattle, L.A. start.
3: Yeah, I have zero. I don't think any. Um, I mean, 8:30 a.m. Central Time is pushing it. Even you know, I don't. I'm not going to be setting an alarm for this.
1: So you've got uh, the Jags' track record in London outlined here. Mm-hmm. Rich history going back to 2013. Uh, 20, yeah. 42-10 loss to a then good San Francisco team. Uh, 2014 to 31-17 loss to Dallas. Yep. Last year, big win 34-31 huge, over huge the win. Bills. Huge win. Uh, yeah. I mean, including
3: this game, they now have. Five more games that are locked in for London they're they're signed to play in London once per year through 2020 uh, so not only are they Americas team they're also uh, Britain's team I guess so now I don't know what to expect I, I think I've, we've said on the pod before like, we're both against midseason firings you know there's not a, a lot of track record that proves that firing a coach midseason you know drastically reverses your team's fortunes but if the Jaguars lose this game, I think this has to be it for Gus Bradley. They have the bye next week. Um, you know, obviously with the the long travel for this game, I think you know that's usually when you see if a coach is going to get fired. You'd like to get that extra buy to to let the new regime or the interim regime uh, kind of come in and sort things out. So, in my mind, there have been a lot of must win games throughout Gus Bradley's last couple of years, but this is probably the the number one to
1: date. Yeah, a lot, a lot of must wins, uh, but for the wrong reasons, I guess. Yeah. And in this case, if you're Gus Bradley and you lose, would you rather be fired before you leave London or after, like upon landing, would you like to be fired? You might
3: see the first ever mid-game coach firing.
1: You, you keep hoping for that. Yeah,
3: I mean, why not?
1: I guess he could do it. What's going to happen with that running game? Chris Ivory didn't get anything going last not week. Uh, but he was heavily used. I mean, is he the back to own if you had to own a Jacksonville back? I mean, we're, with bye weeks, we're at the point yeah, if where... If you're in one
3: of those leagues that forces you to own a Jags back, I think he's the one... Um, I, it doesn't, I mean, it really hasn't mattered thus far. They haven't been able to get anything going with either back, uh, through t- through three weeks, twelve carries for fourteen yards last week for Chris Ivory. Along a four. But I mean, that's basically what we saw from Yeldon in Week One against the Packers. He was under two yards per carry. I think he just got over two yards per carry in Week Two. It, it hasn't really mattered thus far. I think the offensive line has been an issue. The play calls and the timing have been an issue. It, just as much as as Yeldon and Ivory themselves haven't been able to run well.
1: Meanwhile, this game, the Jags are only two and a half point underdogs. I mean, this is at home. At home, right? At home in London. Yeah, crazy. I, I don't, I don't get that at all. I mean, I've, the Colts to me are just a better team. We saw what they did against San Diego. San Diego to me is not bad, even without Keenan Allen. That's it. only a, lost to San Diego
3: by twenty four.
1: Right, and so. I just, I don't understand this line at all. I don't know if if there's proof that playing in London and the you know sleep deprivation or the jet lag or whatever you want to call it, it becomes enough of a problem where it just neutralizes talent but Colts are going to win this game by more than two and a half and I do like the idea of having shares on both sides I think Bortles can get well in this game and play pretty uh pretty pretty good I mean like the 250 two TDs Allen Robinson can dominate against anybody so I'm not worried about Robinson good game last week of course Uh, on the Colts side I mean do you like Frank Gore going up against the Jags run defense I, I think I think i But use it as a flex. I mean, the
3: Jags' run D hasn't been horrific. It hasn't been great, Um, but but they are dealing with some injuries as well. Fowler, uh, Jared Odrick, Malik Jackson—all questionable as of now. We'll see if they end up playing. I, I think the you know the majority of those three probably will, but. Um, You know, Frank Gore was was so cheap in daily last week, and that's probably going to be the case again this week. That's maybe where I would look to use him. Um, the, The reason that this line is so low is just the Colts have been extremely unpredictable through three weeks. The Jags have been predictably bad, but there's still that belief that If they get it going, this is a team that can move it through the air. Uh, We just haven't really seen it yet outside of garbage time.
1: Alan Hearns is kind of a fringe, like dead-to-me sort of player on our SiriusXM segment on Wednesdays. I just feel like there's a chance that he's far from the player he was last year with the other weapons around him. Healthy Marquise Lee having a larger role than I expected uh, to this point. Are you you tindering over there right now? I'm not tindering. Liar! I don't have Tinder. Uh, with the Colts, I also like Philip Dorsett too. You, all you gotta do is hit the home button, and it goes away. I mean, I have an iPhone. I'm not. I'm. I'm, oh, I'm. I'm like dumb, but no, I'm, I'm not that. To show dumb. you like it's not even in. Like I don't have the app. I don't like, know what the logo looks like, dude. Like I. Okay. Th- I'm not in the game. I don't know. I know what the Snapchat logo looks like, and I actually have Snapchat, even wow. though I don't use it. I think I tried to send you a snap once. I was like. I'm gonna send Whalen this picture, and I had something I was trying to send you. I think it was that the Ham's chalice that I saw. You get a
3: lot of ham snaps, yeah.
1: And I I took the picture and I started to set it up, and I think I kept just choosing a blackout filter or something. I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. Like I'm uh. I'm in trouble. It's over for me. Uh, but I'm taking the Colts, giving up the two and a half. I like Philip Dorsett to bounce back after disappointing Week Three, by the way. So if you've got him in season long and you've got a tough decision where he's one of the options, I think there's a good chance you get a nice result from Dorsett. Uh, Let's look at the Panthers and Falcons. Panthers, three-point favorites at Atlanta. 50 is your over-under, even higher than the uh, Colts-Jags game, which is at 48.5, by the way. So this one would shake out to like 27-24, roughly, favoring the Panthers. What do you make of Atlanta's running game after they just gashed New Orleans on Monday night? I mean, how much are you buying into Devontae Freeman being fine and Tevin Coleman maybe being part of a one-two punch that could be among the league's best running games if those two guys stay healthy? I don't know. The big
3: question is, was it the Falcons running offense and I guess passing offense, with as much as both of those guys were involved in the passing game? Or is that just what happens against the Saints defense? I mean, this is kind of the game I think that we expected to see from the Giants two weeks ago and, and turnovers and, and other kind of shooting themselves in the foot ended up preventing that. But you know, it's definitely not realistic to expect that kind of production from both of these guys week to week. I mean, the Saints' defense is is an exception, and I think the Panthers' defense is, you know, tenfold better than that. But I mean, are you basically asking, like, do we have do we have enough of a basis to choose one or the other at this point? Because I don't think we do at all. I think it was nice to see them both be productive last week, but that didn't really help. You know, discloud the situation that this is. You don't really know who you should be owning in the long term.
1: I think the way Devontae Freeman was used, I'm still more confident in his value week to week, but what I'm seeing is a scenario where if I've got Tevin Coleman, I'm shopping him, if I don't like the offers, fine, he's a hold, because if Freeman goes down, if Coleman becomes the guy, the value could be crazy high. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same with Freeman, but with a safer floor in the shorter term if both backs stay healthy. So I'm fine with acquiring shares of the Atlanta backs right now because running back is so thin. I think you might have some people trying to sell high on both of them coming off this performance, but Atlanta still doesn't have that clear-cut number two option behind Julio Jones in the passing game, and I think the way they're built kind of lends itself to having mm-hmm. weeks where two backs can be useful outside of those matchups uh, against the Saints. Now, Carolina's coming off a strange game against the Vikings. I mean, they, they didn't get Kelvin Benjamin involved. We didn't see Funches do anything. It was pretty much Greg Olson or bust in the passing game. Uh, Cameron Artis Payne, I believe, is starting at running back again this week. What's the interest level for you in Cameron Artis Payne as either a streaming option this week, off the waiver wire, where available, or even if you picked him up last week, do you you mix him in this week against that Atlanta defense?
3: I think you can, yeah. I think a lot of people probably went out and grabbed him last week and are going to be disappointed with the production that he put up against Minnesota, but... Yeah, the Panthers' offense was just broken. Really, for most of that game, it was, it was such an odd game with with Scam throwing three picks, no touchdowns, sacked eight times. You know, I think they lost sixty plus yards on sacks throughout that game. So, yeah, I think there's a chance that you know there might be someone in your league who picked him up and maybe already gave up on him, or someone who was you know stashing him last week and saw that production and. And might have moved on. So if you can pick him up, I
1: think there's really nowhere to go but up after after the performance that he had against Minnesota. I think that over unders a tick high though. Looking at this game, I mean, I think they're gonna these teams are gonna struggle to score. At that level, even though this game is indoors, even though I think Atlanta's defense can be exposed, I think they're good enough mm-hmm. to hold their own, and, and this is going to be more like a, a 24-21 sort of game than 28-24, 27-24, which is what the numbers would steer you towards. Yeah. I mean, so, This is
3: the one team that beat Carolina during the regular season last year, if that means anything to you.
1: Yeah, and it's still close enough to September on Sunday where I feel like the good Falcons can show up and, right. and, and actually Yeah, uh, once October it tight. hits, all bets are off. Yeah, I think I'm taking Atlanta with the points, even though I expect Carolina to win. Kind of a, a tight outcome to uh to call, but that's what's what I'm looking at right now. Raiders on the road in Baltimore. Baltimore very tough at home, giving up three and a half in this one. They're a team that nobody wants to believe in right now. Three and oh on the season, much tougher historically in Baltimore than elsewhere. Oakland's one of those teams where I mean coming off a big win last week at Tennessee, they've won twice on the road already this season i think these are pretty evenly matched teams and the line certainly reflects that but i wonder if oakland and the way they're using latavius murray is really troublesome if you're a latavius murray owner i just wonder if oakland's one of those teams that we're going to find is they're going to let us down in spots where we expect them to win and they're going to surprise us in spots where we expect them to lose
3: yeah, I think that's kind of what we've seen from them thus far, and it, it's been a small sample size. And it, it might take us a few more weeks to really figure this team out. But I think you can kind of say the same thing about the Ravens. I, I think a lot of people are surprised to see them at three and zero. You know, coming in off that just scrappy, hard-fought win over the Jags last week. Um, but you know, we're going to start to figure out who this who this Ravens team uh, is as well. I mean, they they beat Buffalo in Week One, and, and Buffalo certainly hasn't looked great outside of that surprising win over Arizona last week. They barely win in Cleveland. They barely win in Jacksonville. But now it's Oakland, uh, a decent looking Washington team that that really needed a win last week and got one. And then they're at the at the New York teams back to back uh to close out October before a bye. So the schedule picks up for them kind of by default. Um and, and Oakland, you could argue, is maybe the best team that they've faced thus far.
1: I think that's entirely possible, which is is sad. I mean they yeah. they're at the opposite end of the schedule as far as what they have seen in Baltimore compared to what the Dolphins have had to deal with Mm -hmm. in these first four games. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Ravens, giving up the three and a half. I think Flacco can pick on that defense a little bit. Steve Smith, man, just never, ever bet against Steve Smith. I think the only real concern you have with the Baltimore offense right now is they still haven't really settled on one particular back. Maybe we see a little more Terrence West, though, because two weeks in a row, he has been better than Justin Forsett.
3: Did not love Jalen Ramsey calling out Steve Smith after that game last week. That's a that, bad that just idea. Like a no-win situation.
1: That's a terrible call idea. all people
3: to call out, really?
1: Never, never call out yeah. Steve Smith. That's total, total rookie move, and right. I, I can't believe bad idea. Jalen Ramsey would even pull that off. Uh, let's talk Titans Texans. J.J. Watt headed to IR, already on IR. That defense is not scary at all without J.J. Watt. Jadavian Clowney could step up and, and play a much larger role. He looks pretty good so far this season. But I just wonder if Houston now becomes a team that has to rely a bit more on its offense. This could actually end up being good news for the fantasy value of DeAndre Hopkins, who volume-wise should be safe, even though Brock Osweiler has all the early makings of being a big bust as a free agent signing for Houston. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I think they were exposed, the Texans and Brock Osweiler, a little bit against New England. Um, You know, winning the first two weeks of the season kind of glossed over some average performances for Osweiler. And then you saw them going up against, you know, on a short week, granted, a very good New England team, a team that's always prepared for these type of games and, and always seems to frustrate um inexperienced quarterbacks like Osweiler so we'll see you know I think now that they're back to playing a non-New England team playing a Tennessee defense that hasn't been all that great uh, probably the doormat uh of the AFC South the co-doormat I guess with the Jaguars um but you know looking at this Texans offense like like I said I don't love Osweiler I'm with you on that but the Lamar Lamar Miller uh, I should say workload has been strong it's been consistent um Kind of the rare situation, I guess, where Lamar Miller comes to a new team. We project this, you know, big time role for him, and it, through three weeks it's actually materialized pretty much exactly how people expect it.
1: Yeah, at least that one that one was kind of a connected dot situation, right. but it we haven't had some other back emerge to take on a more prominent role. And part of that's that they don't really have that sort of talent anywhere on the depth chart behind him. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like the depth chart was built. With Arian Foster there for years, where you didn't look at Alfred Blue or Jonathan Grimes or any of those players as being guys that should be on the field unless it was an emergency situation. Depth chart, yeah, because you have so much clarity.
3: Right, you don't need. There's no Tevin Coleman sitting behind him.
1: What do you think about Will Fuller this week? I mean, do you think he's a viable wide receiver 3 flex I option? So.
3: I think yeah, I think people have probably cooled off on him a little bit after that quiet week against New England, but 100 plus yards in each of his first two games, um, you know, I think that the Patriots, even though they're not the Denver defense, they are one of those teams that you everything that you see stat-wise, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt just because they are the Patriots and they're always so well prepared. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm back on the Will Fuller train, especially against Tennessee.
1: Well, maybe you're not on board the Will Fuller train, but if you are in that case, uh, you should think about nohalftime.com because you should might I? be staring at someone like Nick and thinking to yourself, "I would love to challenge just one of Nick's players, especially Will Fuller, not his entire team, just Will Fuller." And your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to do that. Now you can do that on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Odell Beckham versus Will Fuller, Cam Newton versus Aaron Rodgers, or Zeke Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Creating a challenge takes seconds and accepting challenges is even easier. No Halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit nohalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use the promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No halftime, where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. Uh, Texans-Titans, by the way. I, I, I wasn't trying to skirt making a, a pick on that game. Yeah, nice try. I I, yeah, I I was trying to. I will take Houston giving up the points, in part because I think Tennessee is just poorly coached. I like their running game. I, I think there's something there talent-wise. I think Mariota can still get a lot better. But Houston at home, even without J.J. Watt, I don't want to pick against them right now, especially with that line getting more and more favorable. I think it started off a bit higher, of course, Watt healthy at the beginning of the week. It was 6.5. It's down to 4.5 right now. So I'll get up to 4.5 and and take the Texans in this one. Uh, Moving on to Cleveland and Washington. The Terrell Pryor show stopping in D.C. This one's a pretty big line. Washington favored by 7.5. This is coming off a game where Cleveland... Took Miami to overtime in Miami last week. Over-under is 46, so a decent amount of points expected. I think a lot of people out there might be streaming the Washington defense. So we're talking at like 26-19 thereabouts being the, the, the projected score. Do you think Washington has it in them to to win this game by more than a TD? I think they do.
3: I think partially uh, the Browns should be commended for, you know, all the injuries that they've had and for just showing up. Right. The way that I mean they've been in every game, really. And that the Philadelphia game got a little bit away from them at the end, but you know, Baltimore is only a 5-point difference. Uh like you said, they they should have won that game at Miami last week had it not been for a missed field goal late. Um, but I feel like they, their luck has to run out at some point, and I don't know how much luck is involved when you're talking about an 0-3 team, but they, they seem like they're, they're primed you know, just to kind of have one of those games where they just go full Browns, which they haven't quite yet. Uh, I don't know if Washington's the team to do it. Maybe it comes next week when they're playing against New England. Uh, that seems like a, a fitting opportunity for, for Brady to get back in against that defense, but uh, I think the Redskins win this one fairly
1: comfortably, uh, even, even as shaky as they've been offensively. The clown that I am, I, I continue to pick Cleveland getting the points all the time, and I'm going to try it again this week. Seven and a half is what they're getting. And it's been a decent strategy. I don't trust Jay Gruden and the Redskins. They looked awful in the first two games. They showed up for a big one, kind of a must-win for them last yes. week, though, yes. against the Giants, and I'm, I'm just not convinced they're that good. There's some mm-hmm. concerns with the Browns' offensive line, But these are the games where when two bad teams play and the line gets that big, I always just take the points because I think bad teams can keep games close against each other. And and I don't think the Dolphins are bad. I think Washington is a lesser team talent-wise than Miami and Cleveland played Miami very close last week, so I think they can do the same in D.C. Uh, if you have Pryor, I think you're playing him. I think there's a, a pretty clear role for him. Target-wise, he's been used heavily in each of the first three games, which is last week was the first time we saw him produce at a, an extremely high clip. Of course, this is the last game before Josh Gordon returns to the Browns in Week 5. Trying to stay away from the Cleveland running backs wherever possible, of course. I think is really the only Cleveland player that I would have in a lineup right now.
3: I mean how much extra value I guess are you expecting from Terrell Pryor? Like is it realistic to put him in at receiver and expect, you know, 50 passing yards and 30 rushing yards as well? I don't I don't think they're I don't think you can play him, you know, under the expectation that that's going to be the case but it's a nice little bonus I guess you know if you're deciding between him and someone else as your third receiver uh, you know I think there's there's that that opportunity I guess for the extra
1: yardage add like two and a half or three fantasy points to a typical receiver who'd get nine targets on a bad mm-hmm. team I mean that's that's roughly what I expect but that's good enough to make him a viable starter in most situations I mean of course in all of these sit start sort of conversations it's a matter of what is your best alternative I think prior's better than maybe 30 35 other receivers this week at least and with the buys factored in that puts them right on the fringe of being useful in most three receiver leagues uh i can't believe i'm taking cleveland with the points that's that's really that's really disheartening that's where things are are sitting as of right now seahawks and jets russell wilson banged up in this one and Kristen michael running away with that job in the backfield in seattle i mean literally and and thomas rawls is hurt again so it's going to be a few weeks before we see rawls back on the field i mean michael may just have the job all season long
3: yeah i I think so that's the way it's shaping up at least um yeah I, i don't know if thomas rawls will be able to play his way back into this if Kristen michael stays healthy and stays relatively productive uh i think this is definitely his job to lose going forward does this seem like a trap game to you at all for Seattle, going all the way across the country at the Jets?
1: No, I think it's no? it's it's gonna be a tight, low scoring defensive battle. I wonder if people are overestimating how bad Ryan Fitzpatrick actually is coming off the big six pick performance against Kansas City. I think he will bounce back. Jets are getting two and a half. I mean, mm-hmm. I think this is this is gonna be one of the hardest fought games I think so, of too. the early of the early slate. Over under is only forty. And I think that's about right, because with Wilson dinged up, especially, we may see Seattle struggle i the the best sign for Seattle though last week is Jimmy Graham, yeah. kind of looking like a vintage version of Jimmy Graham, and if he's healthy, that really changes the complexion of Seattle's offense on a week to week basis
3: yeah, yeah, that's something we talked about during the preseason, and you know I kind of took the stance of he can't be any worse than he was last year, and certainly there was the injury concern that that probably played into a lot of people being down on Jimmy Graham um but i mean if he's able to give them 60 70% of what he was in new orleans a few years ago that's such a huge huge weapon to a team that He's getting a lot out of Doug Baldwin, getting a lot out of Tyler Lockett, but I don't know if either of those guys necessarily profile as you know big-time, number-one type of options, and, and if Jimmy Graham can be something close to that, I think the ceiling for this offense goes up quite a bit.
1: I'm going to take the Jets, though, with the points. I, th- yep. I think even if Eric Decker is forced to miss this, I like Quincy and Nunwa quite a bit as someone that could step into a larger role. I think teams have been able to run it at times against Seattle. We saw Carlos Hyde get about five yards a carry and score twice last week against Seattle I think Matt Forte and Bilal Powell will get something going on the ground and the Jets defense will bounce back uh, after a week they weren't embarrassed last week but the Chiefs I mean well, was, they were just was, on the field they, yeah they're on the field all the time too I, I think that's that thing Chiefs are su- that's such a Chiefs game what did they put up
3: was it 24
1: points yeah they, they six they, interceptions six, six picks and scored 24 <laughs> points but
3: that's totally fine with them though like they, they're just they're fine just you know controlling the game punting it away picking up a couple field goals uh Fitzpatrick probably not going to throw six picks again I'll take the under on six. I'll take the under on six, barely.
1: Yeah, I think, I think he throws like...
3: Nobody's thrown six picks in back-to-back games. It's take, just an insider stat tip there. I think
1: he throws three, and they still win despite it. Sure. Because I think this game will be ugly and low scoring. I like think the so over-under being low is actually yeah, dead I, on. I, I kind of like this as a, a
3: sneaky upset pick
1: for the week. Yeah, like a 14-10 yeah. sort of game. Just sure. A Seattle seems
3: to be... Trash show. Right. Seattle, we've seen both from Seattle. You know, They put up a ton of points in week three. Uh, They put up 15 total points in Weeks 1 and 2.
1: That game's going to go full shootout now that we were both calling it as a very low, like way below the under (laughs) type scenario. We'll see what happens with Eric Decker, though. He's going to have an MRI today on his shoulder. Didn't practice on Thursday, so it sounds like he definitely got worse after playing in Kansas City in Week 3. Bills and Patriots, the line in this one kind of hidden in some places i'm seeing four and a half right now with the patriots being favored that to me does not seem big enough i i I think the patriots win this game by like 80 so this is all about the quarterback situation right when you're talking about the line it doesn't even matter anymore
3: it doesn't matter Yeah, but i mean but the fact that they're starting a banged up guy either way you know
1: maybe a maybe banged up guy are you suggesting that the patriots could be disingenuous with their injury reports i would never suggest such a thing they are, they're such an honorable organization.
3: Um, do we, I mean, we really have no idea who it's going to be. Garoppolo himself said he has no idea. Brissett said he has no idea. We might not know until Sunday
1: morning. Um, we might see Julian Edelman back there at some point. Who knows? I mean, we, hey, Rex was trying right. to go undercover and, and figure it out. And yeah. Edelman sniffed that out pretty easily. Rex didn't do a good job He's throwing not very the covert. voice. No, he's got that that that, that deep voice with the kind of that slight southern sort of accent, and he he just he didn't mask that at all. He didn't. Wasn't a great effort, you know. It's uh, he's got work to do on that front, Uh, but yeah, Patriots. If if four and a half ends up being the line, the line could be seven and a half, and I'd still take the Patriots at nine or ten. Maybe I'd consider Buffalo. But I think the Patriots roll yep. this one. It's not really, so uh, not really a tough at home. Call. If it was
3: at Buffalo, you know, it's maybe one of those games where you know we saw Arizona struggle there. Yeah, like, one or two games a year, the Bills at home are just good for a, kind of a weird upset, and I think they
1: got that out of the way last week. Sammy Watkins still not practicing. You take Watkins away, just they're so thin offensively. I wonder if New England sells out to stop the run if they just load up the box and make Tyrod Taylor. Try to beat him with you know yeah. Marquise Goodwin, and Robert Woods, and Greg Salas, Which, whichever cast of characters he has catching passes this week. If those guys have to make plays, and New England's just like, hey, we're not letting Shady beat us, and right. we're just gonna we're gonna force Tyrod to make mistakes.
3: Right. I mean, Tyrod didn't play all that well, at least numbers wise, last week, and they didn't need him to being up being up early in that game and for all of the game. Uh, but it was McCoy really who did the heavy lifting for that Buffalo offense. So I think obviously they want to stick with that plan, but but like you said, without the the weapons on the outside you would think new england would be able to scheme against that fairly
1: easily let's talk lions and bears and i don't know why but we're going to we're going to do it because we could we talk about every game every week and in this one the lions are two and a half point favorites on the road jordan howard's going to be starting at running back for the bears i like howard quite a bit cuz i think this game will be close i think it's going to be high scoring over under 47 and a half i think the lions are the better team i think they do win this game on the road But this is one of those spots where I feel great about using some Bears players, even in DFS. I mean, season long, you use them because you have limited alternatives. Mm -hmm. In DFS, I think Elshon Jeffrey is a great target this week, even if it is still Brian Hoyer. I thought I heard Jake Cutler was back on the practice field yesterday, but actually... Let me see if I can get some intel I'm going to backtrack on Jeffrey. He's
3: limited at practice
1: Wednesday. If Cutler's out there this week, I'd probably back off Jeffrey in DFS. Yeah,
3: fair enough. Uh, Kevin White looked okay. Last week
1: against the was it the Eagles last week? It was, was it the Cowboys. Cowboys last week. Um, yeah, how'd you White, forget that Sunday night game was amazing? I did all blurs together
3: honestly at, at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kevin, I think Alshon Jeffrey's still you know far and away the number one receiver in that receiving core. But Kevin White at least staked his claim as easily the number two, and I think that's what they expected all along. Which Lions offense are we going to see? Are we going to see first half against Green Bay or second half against Green Bay?
1: No, you're going to see the second half version. I don't think they're going to have any trouble moving the ball against the Bears. Bears are so destroyed by injuries right now. They they're they're kind of like the Lions. They're not they're going to be able spot. to stop anybody. I mean, like they had questionable personnel to begin with and thinned out by injuries. It's just a, a terrible group, unfortunately, in its current state. But that bodes well for fantasy production. More Marvin Jones, who's, who's going to be very chalky, uh, in everywhere in DFS. I mean, in season long, you've been using him every week, I think. Anyway, the question is, what do you do with Golden Tate right now?
3: It's not looking good. Um, you know, I, I think to get Golden Tate, you had to make a reasonably high investment in him. You know, a, a high to mid-round pick not a guy that you really want to be giving up on certainly through three weeks of the season um but it hasn't been an encouraging start and even last week when matthew stafford threw the ball 41 times and they were basically throwing it on every down in the second half uh you know being down to green bay as much as they were marvin jones is the guy doing the work eric ebron is the guy you know up close to 70 yards and, and tate did have six targets but but only finished with four catches for 40 yards uh in a game and you know that situation you'd like to think that that he's being looked to a little bit more by Stafford so yeah I, i'm not quite panicking on golden tape but you know one or two more weeks of this low target volume and
1: and there's going to be some some serious concern yeah he's definitely not at that must start level anymore no. despite what you paid for him on draft day and right. i don't think he's a cut in most situations i've seen some tweets suggesting he's been released by owners, so maybe in some 10-team leagues he's out there right now. It's kind of like the Randall Cobb situation in Green Bay, where I think the volume's going to be there. I like the situation in Green Bay a lot better, of course, for Cobb anyway, but I don't think Golden Tate should be freely available in leagues just yet. I don't want to write him off uh, completely, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Lions, giving up the points on the road. I think they're just a better team than the Bears by still a, a decent margin and home field advantage for chicago will not be enough in this one need a website why not do it yourself with wix.com no matter what business you're in wix.com has something for you you've been more than 84 million people worldwide nick wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today you need to word out about your business or your ebook and it all starts with a stunning website With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy cleaning the hot tub. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to WX.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Let's start looking at some of these late afternoon games. Denver on the road at Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston with some volume last week, and Mike Evans was productive in that one. I think this is one of those games where you still play Mike Evans in season long in 99% of yeah. the roster situations out there. Because if anyone's going to be productive against the Denver secondary, it's a big physical receiver like Evans who can match up really well with the likes of Aqib Tlaib.
3: Right, and uh, a quarterback like Jameis who's willing to just kind of sling it up there and and hope for the best, which has provided mixed results through three weeks. Uh, Somewhat got back on track last week, did did Jameis, uh, in that kind of weird lightning-delayed loss to the L.A. Rams, but he did throw the ball 58 times. Uh, which I think ideally isn't what Tampa Bay necessarily wants week to week. Um, given this matchup, though, if you're in a situation like, you know, let's say me, who has Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston on his roster in a league, uh, do you sit Jameis against the Broncos in favor of Ryan against the Panthers?
1: I do, uh, as long as Ryan is completely healthy. I don't love the Panthers either,
3: but I mean, at least I mean, they're both at home. I think there's still a clear-cut difference between the level that the Broncos defense plays at compared to that of the Panthers.
1: it's reflected in the over-under for the two games. I mean, even if you think the Mm -hmm. Falcons-Panthers over-under is too high, I don't think it's egregiously high. It's just two to three points higher than it should be. You lower it to 47, it's still four points more than expected uh, in this matchup between Denver and Tampa Bay. I'm surprised Denver's not favored by more. Tampa let me down at Arizona. They couldn't hold serve against the Rams last week when I thought Jeff Fisher would go full Jeff Fisher and his team would lay an egg. right. I can't trust Tampa right now. I'm giving up the three points, taking Denver.
3: Okay, so I'll ask you another question based on these quarterbacks. Which quarterback are you more confident in, given this matchup? You know, if you have if you have Simeon, you went out and grabbed him maybe on the waiver wire, and you have Jamis. Um, I mean, I think Jameis is a more talented quarterback. He's probably going to see the more volume, but. I think the difference in defenses makes this somewhat of a legitimate question. I
1: think it's a really tough one. I would be inclined to play Simeon if I had those two to choose from. I well, think. he all
3: of a sudden looks like a real quarterback that they're letting do real quarterback things as opposed to just managing.
1: Yeah, and I think part of that is just getting accustomed to playing in the NFL. I mean, this guy had yeah. no experience prior to the start right. of the season. Well, I think the, the playbook was likely limited for those first few games, and you know, they, Carolina's good too. Right. It's a good defense. It's a tough matchup. I mean, that was the opener for him, so True. he got thrown into the fire yep. in okay, a the in big game. defense is, is no slouch either. That's what I'm saying. I mean, picking them apart is part of the reason why I'm so encouraged. If he had done this you know, against the Saints, I'd, I would definitely have the, okay, do it again sort of mentality. Right. But I, I didn't see that coming at all, let alone against Cincinnati on the road. So I'm, I'm buying in. I think it's legit. And with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders healthy, I mean that's a wide receiver duel. If yep. you're ranking duos around the league, they're top five, I think, with relative ease.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously you got Hearns and Robinson well ahead of everyone else. But yeah, oh, oh, I forgot
1: about five. them. Well, I guess that bumps the uh, Sanders and Thomas to top six then. Right. Just to be safe.
3: Yeah. And there's such there's such a a, a contrast between Hearns and Robinson and everyone else.
1: <laughs> Tough matchup for Charles Sims. Like I I, I like this that's window be an
3: avoid situation
1: if if, if possible. But I, I think running back's been just such a disaster this year that those who have Sims may not have a better alternative. The thing that bodes well for Sims in any matchup is that because he can catch passes if they fall behind, a lot of dump-offs against Denver make sense. If they somehow have a lead, he's going to get volume that way. All he really needs to do is carry the ball 15 times. If he gets 45 or 50 yards, if he gets into the end zone once, he'll catch enough passes where it turns out to be a pretty good game. So whether or not Sims ends up paying off this week, to me, isn't about yardage, it's about a TD or not.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think the Denver defense is good enough that you just can't expect you know yardage totals to buoy any running backs' fantasy value. It's all about touchdowns.
1: But I am taking Denver, giving up the three. That worked for Jeremy Hill last week. It, I, I I didn't see that coming at all. Hill was the player I was seeking out to not play after a slow start, and he has best game of the year in the most difficult spot of the year. Uh, let's talk Rams, Cardinals. Rams this week, seven-and-a-half-point underdogs going into Arizona, where the Cards are likely fuming after their road loss to Buffalo. It wasn't even a close road loss last week. I think they get well and win, but do they win by 7.5? Like, How much do you so. trust Carson Palmer right now?
3: I don't trust Carson Palmer all that much, but I do trust the overall talent level of this Arizona team. I, I can't see them you know, faltering two weeks in a row. That seemed like such a fluky loss to Buffalo. They, they've they've
1: kind of got that need-the-win scenario going on right
3: now. I mean, they're 1-2, but I, I think... They're not a team that you look at as being one and two, and like they're going to
1: figure it out, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll figure it out. I, I was thinking more in terms of like a first round buy down the oh, road. Sorry, I thought right. they were one of the top teams well, that's in the, the thing NFC. Seattle looking pretty competent. I mean, they're two and one.
3: I think Arizona was penciled in as probably the the, the relative ease uh, division winner, and I think now. You know, you never know what's gonna develop with the with the other divisions in the NFC with as good as as Minnesota and Green Bay look, you know, it might not be a lock to to just, you know, pencil in the number two in the NFC West as a wild card.
1: I'll take Arizona, give it up to seven and a half, I'll do it. We'll see if Michael Floyd's out there. I know he had a concussion. He was mm-hmm. cleared for non contact work earlier in the week. We'll see if he's able to get out there on Sunday Uh, Todd Gurley you know it's fine he he scored twice last week got volume I think it's more of the same for him yep Uh, Tavon Austin still kind of fringy I mean he's important to the Rams when he makes big plays it makes a big difference in terms of how close their games really are but I'm just not sold on case Keenum against this defense I gotta
3: start Tavon Austin again this week in stake
1: makes makes you feel good doesn't it?
3: it makes me feel terrible
1: yeah, that's that's I've never owned Tavon Austin. The so. list
3: of receivers that I was combing through on the waiver wire, like kind of trying to talk myself into, is just so so sad.
1: I might actually have an extra receiver in that league if you'd like to work out a trade.
3: I would like nothing more than to rid myself of Sammy Watkins.
1: Okay, I mean I don't want Sammy <laughs> Watkins back, but I'm <laughs> gonna I'll,
3: have to take Sammy Watkins.
1: I've I, that's gonna cost oh, I'm you. I'm playing hardball. All right. All right, Saints Chargers, this one. San Diego favored by four and a half is the over under the Saints are winless this season I like them getting four but I don't know if they're going to win this game isn't it this is one of the toughest calls of the week right that's what I,
3: I wrote right here toss-up game of the week for me I this this is every week there's one or two games that you say no result whatsoever would surprise me like if the Saints come out and win this 45-10, to 10, I wouldn't be surprised. If it's the opposite and the Chargers win by that margin, I wouldn't be surprised. If it's close, if it's low scoring, high scoring, um, I really have no idea. Once you get the Saints out of a dome situation,
1: they're a complete wild card. San Diego, I mean, as, as road climates go, though, it's about as mild as yeah, you can it's get. It, it's, it's like the outdoor dome in yeah. terms of the, the conditions there. So I, I feel like the Saints' offense is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Brandon Cooks, Coming off a really disappointing game in Week 3, he should bounce back just fine. We'll see if Willie Snead's out there. Because Snead, I I kind of buy into him as a really efficient player. What I'm not convinced of is the role in the red zone. We saw Fleener do a lot last week in Snead's absence, so I wonder what things look like next time they're both back on the field together, whether that's Sunday or at some point in the coming weeks. I don't know, but I do think this game holds up on the form of being close to that over-under total. I'll take the Saints with the points because I I just don't think there's four points separating these two teams at the present time. Uh, Let's talk Dallas and San Francisco. Dallas, a two-point road favorite against Chip Kelly's 49ers. you think that's right?
3: I I guess. I I mean, uh, San Francisco has just been so up and down and coming off of a pretty ugly loss to Seattle. I I can see where this is coming from, but we really don't know what the status is going to be on Des Bryant. He was basically absent by choice for, for two practices this
1: week because he was upset that he was maybe hurt. I don't understand <laughs> I anything like from what about I understand, the Cowboys. That's what happened. He, he actually is hurt. He's got a he fracture hurt, in right. his leg.
3: Like he thought he was more hurt and was like really despondent about it, so he just didn't show up.
1: Good. Good, uh, so good. He was
3: fined by the Cowboys uh for missing Monday through Wednesday. Um but yeah he has a hairline fracture now uh in his knee which to me, just if you have any kind of fracture at all, it would just be you know just just call it. I'm just going to sit this one out. But when you're an NFL player and when you're Des Bryant, that's not how things work. So as of right now, it, it sounds like he's pretty much fifty
1: fifty to play this week. Jason Garrett's going to screw this up. I'm convinced. Like San Francisco's not good, but they're not a complete doormat. No, they're like, not. Like they're a bad team that can do some things. Dallas's defense is nicked up. The fact that the public seventy two percent is on Dallas right now at that minus two. That just makes me want to fade them even more. Yeah. I think I'm taking San Francisco in this one, Nick.
3: It's tough. I think at home, maybe you give San Francisco the edge. I mean, Dallas is coming in off of a win, but it wasn't like the most encouraging of wins. You know, I think that, like you said, the public you know, reaction to this one is is a little bit high. I mean, they beat the Bears, who might be the worst team in the NFL uh, last week. And, you know, Dak Prescott has looked pretty good uh but you know it's been far from dominant and and this defense still has its issues as well
1: so uh you know does I mean does the Blaine train run wild I don't yeah I think they're going at least one more week with him I think he actually has a decent game this week I'm not endorsing him in season long or DFS but this could actually be one of those games where you look and you're like oh that's why this guy gets to start games like he Mm -hmm. he's not that terrible like that's that's the line I'm expecting.
3: Yeah. Those are the kind of brave stances that we take on this podcast. We do not endorse Blaine Gabbert.
1: Very just, just to be clear, yeah, we we're not endorsing Blaine Gabbert. That being said, uh, I do like Carlos Hyde this week. I think mm-hmm. he'll be chalky against that Dallas run defense. But I, I just this this one just feel like the, look just looking at where that that uh, money is going in terms of how this game is being handled. Uh, from a wagering perspective, yeah. I I just I see no reason to be as high on Dallas as the masses are sure. in this case. Let's go to the Chiefs and Steelers. Nice Sunday night matchup. Le'Veon Bell is back. How many TDs are you projecting him for this week? Let's see what seems fair. Three total touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah, fair. I
3: think so. Uh, I, I mean, D'Angelo Williams looked so good in this offense through the first two weeks. Pretty much completely shut down. Uh, as the number one price running back on FanDuel last week against the Eagles. Eagles might be Uh, legit.
1: The defenses
3: might be good. It's so hard for me to buy, but I think they actually are legit. And I mean, those first two wins I I thought were a little bit fluky, uh, but, but they certainly proved that that wasn't the case last week. Uh, but but everyone says Le'Veon Bell is in excellent shape. You know, I mean, they're not going to go tell the media that he's way out of shape and hasn't been playing football right. at all. Right, yeah, he, he, is, uh, he
1: is chunky right, right. now. He's just I mean, been eating pizza and laying yeah. down.
3: We haven't seen him in a couple weeks, actually. Hopefully he shows up. Uh, but it doesn't sound like they're going to ease him back into action. From you know everything that's being reported, it's you know he's going to go in
1: as if he's been playing the last three weeks. And they didn't last season uh, no. when he came back either, so I expect that to be the case again uh, here. I mean, over-under is 475 Steelers got embarrassed last week, and this is a revenge game for Todd Haley, who seems to be more vengeful than most offensive coordinators. I think Steel- the Steelers get back on track. The question is, did the Chiefs keep it within four and a half? Like, that's what I'm really not sure of. I think that line is very well set. Uh, the money is pretty evenly distributed there. I think the way I'm leaning right now is I'm going to take Pittsburgh giving up the points. Maybe I'm overestimating the Steelers but I'm feeling a big bounce back from this team this week. I think so too. The emotional boost of, of getting Bell having two backs that are, are really good backs at their disposal. Uh, Antonio Brown's going to be fired up for this one. I just I think the Steelers can't possibly come out and look bad two weeks in a row. The Chiefs are a good team at not getting
3: blown out so I do like the line on this but yeah, I think Pittsburgh wins it uh,
1: especially at home at night. I'm, I guess I'm on the other side for now, but that's one where I could flip between now and mm-hmm. kick off on Sunday night. Uh, the Monday night game this week, Giants-Vikings. Giants now 2-1 and one after a home loss to Washington. The Vikings at 3-0. and oh, They're five-point favorites in this one. I want the Giants with the points. I do think Minnesota can improve to 4-0. and oh. I just, I'm still not ready to buy into Sam Bradford as someone that won't find ways to hurt this team. At yeah. the most critical times,
3: I, this might be hard to, for to ask you as a, a Packers supporter and, and I guess a former Lions supporter as well. But I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, if you can put yourself in those shoes, like, do you see this start as a legitimate like? We might be a Super Bowl contender. Does it all seem a little bit like at some point we're going to have to rely on Sam Bradford to win us games? And I just don't know if that's a
1: possibility. I mean, I think you're feeling good because you've got a good coach, a good defense, and you're finding ways, even when Adrian Peterson didn't play well in the first skill two games. Players. Like, you have one good receiver, you have yeah. basically no one else in the receiving core, you have a pretty
3: good tight end. You have two decent backup running backs and a quarterback who just joined your team three and a half weeks ago.
1: I think you've got some doubts about whether or not your team is going to be good in January, but right. you know your team is legit right now. Like that's that's you're kind the... of playing with
3: house money if you're the Vikings, really. I mean, the season was over when Bridgewater went down, and all of a sudden now you're going to have a pretty good chance to go four zero at home.
1: Yeah, I, I I mean I agree with that. I mean this this should be a good Monday night game. We have not been treated to many good Monday night games in uh, the last no. couple of seasons. It seems like they intentionally schedule bad monday night games but not this one you know, you know like you like, think about the defense though right like minnesota's defense is good it is good doesn't that just mean that beckham's gonna do like crazy good things in a spot where people are like okay i'm not gonna use beckham right. in daily this week of course you're using him in season long that's never a question but the running back situation is still a mess whether jennings comes back or not it's darkwa Maybe some Bobby Rainey. Maybe we see Paul Perkins. But if Jennings is out there, we probably don't see Perkins at all. He'd probably be inactive again. Giants defense has been letting me down. I think this game does have actually some sneaky shootout potential because the Giants are one of those teams that when you least expect them to have an offensive explosion, they have one. And this has all the makings for that, with Minnesota being at home on a Monday night and having a good defense. The expectations are so low for Ben McAdoo right now that he has to just kind of fall into – some kind of good outcome in a difficult right. spot like it the same goes for beckham too like what, he can't he can't it's inconceivable that he's
3: gone three weeks without a touchdown and, and i think four would obviously be even more inconceivable i think he'll want to bounce back after you know what he probably views and certainly the public views as a little bit of an embarrassing loss and an embarrassing performance by him personally as far as you know what went on uh with his antics on the sideline. So. Um, Which is a
1: stupid narrative, by the way. That well, he, he needs to calm down. I mean, like, well,
3: yes, in in, in, in to extent, yes. It was just extent, the yes. same thing happened last year against Josh Norman. You know, it was like this is two years in a row now where he's gone up against this guy, and it's you know it's caused him to kind of lose it, and his team has lost both of those games.
1: Maybe Norman's got a little more Cortland Finnegan in him than we all realize.
3: <laughs> I think he does. That's a
1: good cop. That's we'll wait uh, until he like all out brawls with Andre Johnson on the field. I I know like he has to punch another man with a helmet still on. I think he's done that, hasn't he? Norman's done that or was it Beckham who did that? Somebody did that last year, didn't they? I've never understood that. Like when you want to fight somebody on a football field, you why you a football helmet? Like, like that's why would you punch someone wearing a football helmet? Yeah. That is a terrible right. terrible Everyone idea. knows you got to pull the helmet off and then start punching him. I'm going to go over on this on the 43 and a half. I think it's going to somehow yeah. get over. I think I'm taking the Giants with the points. Minnesota wins outright. And it's going to be some weird thing that causes them to do it. Like they, like the Giants' offense isn't going to be the problem, but they'll find some other way to lose.
3: So the so the it's going to be a high scoring game, but the Giants find a way to lose.
1: Yeah, all right, yeah. It seems like, it seems like a very likely outcome. They'll keep it within five. All right. They'll score a lot of points, but they'll like Eli will throw a pick six or something late yeah. that, that gives it away okay. or something along those lines after playing well otherwise in a tough spot. So who finishes with more fantasy points between Diggs and and ODB? I'll take, I'll, I'll still take Beckham. I'll take the chalky option of the two. All right. What do you What do you think?
3: I think Beckham too. I really do like Stefan Diggs, and I feel like I owe Stefan Diggs an apology because I've been I was out on him for most of last year and most of the off season. Uh, but he's he's a very good football player. But like I said, I think the law of averages is going to come in, and, and Beckham is
1: basically due to explode at some point. That law of averages is uh, is pretty ruthless. So. That's going to wrap things up for the week four preview installment of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by nohalftime.com. Tim and I are back with you on Friday.